This is an NBA Sound System presentation of The Pickup Game, produced by Hall Pass Media. To watch the entire video series, visit hallpassnetwork.com. Now, to The Pickup Game. Hey, how we doing, everybody? This is Albert Hall with, with Hall Pass Media, and wanted to bring together some of our friends from around the basketball world, um, people that we've worked with on a variety of levels, whether it be coaching, promoting, broadcasting, um, very influential people in our world, and just want to start, go around the room today. Uh, first guest is uh, Seth Greenberg. How you doing, Coach? What's up there, Albert Hall? Hall Pass 101, let's do this. Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, obviously, Coach Greenberg, ESPN analyst, uh, longtime college basketball coach, ACC Coach of the Year. Uh, next guest, you can't see them on the screen, but Sam Mitchell. How you doing, Sam? Albert, I hate that you guys can't see you guys, but I'm doing as well as can be expected during these trying times. There you go. Coach Mitchell, uh, now an analyst on NBA TV, former NBA Coach of the Year. Um, longtime friend of the of the Hall Pass brand and uh, host uh, on SiriusXM, and our last guest, uh, Amin El Hassan. Amin, how you doing, buddy? Oh man, I don't have as great a resume as those two gentlemen, but I'm doing all right. <laughs> hey, we're winging the resume today, but it's good. Uh, obviously, ESPN is uh, uh, home to Amin El Hassan for not only the the jump, but a variety of, of features and coverage of the NBA. Uh, longtime fan of of what we're doing across the the landscape of hoops. Uh, Got cut his teeth with the Phoenix Suns and actually proud to say uh, worked with us back in the day at the NBA Summer League. So, um, again, guys, I just want to we wanted to after last night watching the last dance and, you know, the state of the union with hoops around the world right now. Um, just bring in some some of our friends, talk a little basketball. Uh, there's been a lot of stuff taking place in the landscape of hoops, even during this shutdown. And, uh, you know, from the pro game, the college game, the amateur game. And uh, we'll start off there with Coach. Maybe give us a, a couple takes on, on where where you think the state of hoops is, and some some uh, some takes on some of the developments. Well, I think the biggest thing is first of all, I mean, it's great to get a group of people together just to talk ball because yeah. uh, you know, yeah. let's face it, with everything that's gone on in our world, and you know, it's it's a, a difficult time for all of society. And thank goodness for the doctors and the hospital workers and the nurses and the police department, and the fire department. And the people that moved the food chain, I mean, they, they're the real heroes right now, but we're basketball people. And look, we, we miss, we have a void in our lives and I, I don't think we're alone. And just to have a group of guys get together and talk ball and, you know, get a couple of chuckles and laugh and then look at perspective, perspective of what's going on. A lot's going on. You know, let's start with this. Let's start with the last dance. Like, like We'll get into the, the NBA Academy. We'll get into the TBT. We'll get into, like, here's my question, Sam. Like, man, you lived it, man. I mean, you lived it. So, like, when you were watching The Last Dance, what was going through your mind? Well, for me, Coach and Abbott and me and guys, it was just, it was a reflection on back how tough and how different the league was back then compared to now. It had nothing to do with the talent. It was just the fierce competition, the physicality of the game. And then you saw guys with different brands of leadership. And I was watching ESPN this morning, and I was watching Jason Williams, and he was talking about the difference between LeBron leading and Michael Jordan leading. And he was all a LeBron-type leading guy. was just, you know, and, and, and I look at that and I say, okay, and I have the utmost respect for LeBron, but LeBron is, what, three and seven in finals? So if you want to be on that team with a guy that done lost more championships that he done won or a guy that never lost one, to me, that's the difference. You know, people can talk about Michael was a little bit tougher than other guys and stuff, but you think about something. The greatest, to me, the greatest instinct that Michael had was when you saw that the last dancing, and he talked about winning at all costs, that everything was about winning at that time and that moment. It wasn't about dumping games and losing games to improve your, your draft lottery. It was about that single-minded focus on winning. And I think that's the difference today because today when you look at basketball, look how many teams have tried to lose to improve their draft stock. And we all get it and we all understand it. But the, the great, one of the greatest winners of all time, and people can say what they want about what, what Michael Jordan has done as a owner, but let me tell you this. Two things. He's arguably one of the greatest players to ever play. 
He's one of the richest players to ever play. He's the only player that played and own a NBA team, a league that in which he played in. So whether whether or not the Charlotte uh, Bobcats have won or not, but when you look at Michael Jordan and his life, you can see that he's probably one of the greatest winners of all time, on and off the floor. You may not like his leadership style, but you have to respect the results. Hey, the results speak volumes. I mean, what do you think, man? Yeah, you know, it was interesting for me because there's a lot of stuff, in, at least in those first two episodes, that I knew. But as I was trying to ex explain to some of my friends, you can know something. You can have read about something. You can even live through that something. And then to watch it again in front of you in color, it's something completely different. Example, uh, the, the tension between the front office and the coaching staff and the players, right, that Phil Jackson was out at the end of the year and Scotty Pippen didn't like his contract and they all collectively didn't like Jerry Krause, who's the general manager. That was not a secret. That's not something that was revealed last night. That was something that was happening in real time. We all remember it. But to see it play out and now you have the benefit of knowing how things are today to compare, you're like, holy crap, how did that happen? So, for instance, we were, I was talking about this with my buddy George Sedano. Can you imagine a general manager of a team that's won two – Five championships total, including the last two championships, including record-setting win seasons, 69 and 72 wins. And they're going into the third season and say, yeah, you know that guy over there? He's not coming back. <laughs> and you yeah. know that guy, that, that Hall of Fame right there? We've been trying to trade him, actually. I just can't figure out the right trade to do it. it, it it's bizarre to hear him say that with the, with the perspective of today, of knowing that no one could ever say that. You know, if Bob Myers had got up, you know, after the Warriors won that second championship before they were going into last year and said, you know what, Durant, you're out of here. And uh, Steve Kerr, hey, night, thanks for the memories. He would have never <laughs> lived that down. He would have been fired before the press conference was over. Um, so that, I thought that was really interesting to me. The other thing was, and I, I'm guilty of this too, I was ready to watch this thing and tell a lot of my younger colleagues, a lot of my younger family members, this is what it was like. You guys have no idea. And some of that stuff was like that. And then some of that stuff was like, man, nothing has changed. Because I did not personally know about Danny Ainge and Michael Jordan golfing in the middle of the playoffs. How about that? But right. to me, that's the case positive of older players say, we never had friends. I'm like, you were golfing with Danny Ainge. It wasn't even like, uh, uh, you know, James Worthy or Kenny Smith or someone that you knew from way back when. Danny Ainge, you, you probably just met him once you started playing in the league and you were golfing with him in the middle of the playoffs. Friendship across team lines exists, and that doesn't mean that they're not great competitors because I think we all agree Michael Jordan is the greatest competitor of all time. But that doesn't mean he can't have friends, and that doesn't mean he can't be friendly with them outside the confines of the game. Yeah, and once the ball went up, all that went out the window. Yeah. yeah, like like here's my thing. It was was Jordan so strong minded that he wanted to play that golf game to get in Danny Ainge's head and send a message like, All right, you might win on this golf course right now. I don't want to lose, but let me tell you something, dude. Like tomorrow night, I'm kicking your ass, DJ's ass, and anyone else I get in the switch's ass. I mean, like, here's my question. I mean, like you know, I heard the story about you know him and playing with Barkley also in golf, and you're like he lost twenty grand. He said, "Well, you know that Barkley was going to be his boy." Now, I'd love to have Barkley's response to that personally. I'm <laughs> waiting for Barkley's response for that. We need to get Barkley on here. Uh, <laughs> like to to me, the thing that that came away, and here's just I don't know, Sam, the coaching me real quick. Like when his mom said, just matter of fact, his mom to me was, I got a bunch of things I want to run at you guys, but like his mom just saying when he got cut. All right, Mike, here's the deal. Go work harder. You're mm -hmm. not good enough? Don't, don't come here and complain me now. Hmm. Go work. She didn't say go transfer. She didn't say the coach <laughs> is a jerk. She didn't say he didn't let me play my game. She didn't say anything. Like, his you parents say, oh, no, right. were superstars. Like, what's your guys' take on that? Go ahead, Sam. Well, think about this, guys. Think about what his parents told him. At every stage when he got rejected, go back, work harder, and earn it. Go prove yourself. They didn't put their arms around him. Yeah, they cried with him. They were disappointed with him. But they also dusted him off and sent him back out there to compete and to get better. And the thing that I love about it, they put the emphasis on him. They didn't put it on the coach. They didn't put it on themselves. They didn't put it on their bro his brothers. They said, if this is something that you want, 
you got to go out and make it happen. And, and today, in today's time, when you look at these kids and look at the players so many times, it's what have you done for me? And I say this all the time. The best training I had in basketball is when I went to the gym or went to the outside hoop with a basketball in myself. That's when I learned to work hard. Anybody can work hard when you got somebody, when you're paying someone and someone's pushing you and begging you to get one more rep. It's when you have the ability to push yourself beyond what you think you're capable of. That's when you're going to get better. And that's something I try to tell all these young players. It's not about having a coach that you're paying in here to work you out and to push you. The great ones push themselves. No one can push Michael Jordan harder than he pushed himself and so, and we see that, and the results speak when we talk about him being the greatest player of all time. Yes, it's, and and you know when you talk about Sam, that desire and that fire that was put in him by his family, but not because you know I think the big difference and, and and Coach Greenberg, you can you can attest to this. Big difference is now people are raising their kids like it's a business. Like hundred percent, man. As opposed to you know, I, well, before we went on air, I, I told you, it's remarkable what a regular upbringing he had. Michael Jordan. It, it was, it was, you know, a two parent home, and uh, you know, the competition wasn't because you're going to be a great athlete one day. It was because, hey, man, like your brother is is going to whoop my ass if yeah. I don't. Yeah, yeah, my brother's just an, a natural competition. Now it wasn't fabricated; it was real. And the same thing. The idea is the idea that why were we in sports? They were they weren't in sports because one day you'll be a great player to get uh, college uh, scholarship. They were in sports because the parents were like I got to get you out of the house. I got to get you doing something, something organized. Both parents worked, right? Both parents worked. They drop them off. They yeah. got to compete in sports. Teaches the the teamwork, the camaraderie. I mean, the thing that stood out to me on that last night too is just. You saw Jordan's competitive juices, but imagine, you know, and, and it was chronologically broken up a little bit, but imagine during that run, I mean, everybody who who they brought in had to adhere to those competitive juices and, and kind of the way it was set, that standard. And you look at, you know, John Paxson's had a, a run. Um, obviously, Scotty Rodman was as competitive as they get. People forget about Horace Grant. I mean, he was a key to that that thing early on, and then B.J. Armstrong and some of the other guys. But it was like they bought and Steve Kerr. You know, he even said it. Without that experience that taught him how to compete at that highest level, they probably wouldn't be where they were today. Yeah. Like, here's the deal. I, I think the cool thing is that, like, I always used to say, the standards is standard. One sec, like, Sam. Go ahead. The standards is the standards is standard. Like Michael set the standard. And, like, if you didn't live up to the standard, he kicked your ass. I mean, like, he would let you know, like, here's the deal. This is who we are. This is how we win. Like, to me, the whole idea of setting a standard of being competitive, tough, being in love with the game, doing, like, he said, look, I can't win alone. Well, yeah, he probably could win alone a little bit. But, like, the whole idea of this is this is what we're going to be up. And if you can't do this, you're dealing with me. Like, that stuck out to me. I don't know about you, Sam. Guys, this is the thing that was amazing to me. Not one time did I hear Michael Jordan say, my guys, or my team. I heard him talk about we, the mm -hmm. team. And he forced everyone. And this is the thing. It started with him because he was the hardest worker. You know, I, I know Michael. I know Amar Richard. I've been in that circle with those guys. And I've seen Michael Jordan hang out all night and be in the weight room at 6 o'clock <laughs> and be the first one in the gym and the last one to leave. And that's the thing that people don't understand. When Michael showed up, his whole thing was, look, it's not about how good you are, how great you are. It's about how hard you're willing to work and how hard you're willing to work to be a part of this team. And that's the thing that I found amazing. He wasn't getting on guys because they missed a shot or didn't get a rebound. He was getting on guys about focus, concentration, and effort, something that we all can bring to the table. It takes no talent to play hard. So what Michael was saying was, give me the best that you have with your God-given talent and, and for his effort, and I will help you do the rest. And, and to me, that is the best leader because he put it on himself to play the hardest every single day. When, Roy, when he told Roy Williams, I'm going to be the hardest worker to ever play at Carolina. Think about that. Of all the great players, he was going to be the guy that worked the hardest, not the greatest player, but the guy that worked the hardest, and it 
turned out that the guy that worked the hardest turned out to be the greatest player in that program history. Yeah, that's 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 the truth about all all the greats. All the greats. People think you roll out of bed and you're blessed with talent. Uh, we were talking about this the other day. We we're talking about uh, Ray Allen uh, on on hoop streams on ESPN and uh, Coach uh, Coach um, Fizz uh, David Fizdale was on and he was telling us about the shot that Ray Allen hit in game six of the 2013 NBA finals. And he said, they actually did a drill every single practice the entire year. Ray Allen made them do this drill where he's lying on his back or guys are lying on their side. And then the coaches will throw the ball up and you got to get up and run behind the free, the three point line and catch and shoot. And, um, he said, no one ever made the shot except for Ray. <laughs> every practice uh but but the, the idea was we, we got it off that conversation i was saying ray allen steph curry steve nash who i was around in phoenix and, and got to see up close i've never heard of a great shooter who was born a great shooter they all were maniacal workers who got there hours before the first bus got there and stayed late in practice and got shot after shot after shot the work is the common thread through all the greats in history there's nobody who rolls out of bed and is just good at it and that's what i I hope young players take away from that is that even the most talent, the greatest player of all time, even he felt the need to outwork people because his talent wasn't alone enough. Kobe, Bird, LeBron, Jerry Rice. I mean, you name any great player in any sport. Obviously, th their competitive spirit is one thing, but also their willingness to work. I'll tell you the other thing that jumped out at me. I mean, like, I'm no guru analytic guy. I mean, I understand them, and, you know, but. My man had a good middle game now. Like, like, like here's the deal. My man could get the 15 feet, jump up, and make a shot. I mean, like, if anyone thinks the middle game is gone, let me tell you something. If you're a good player and you can get the 10, 12 feet, elevate, create separation, and score it, and make that shot, why wouldn't you shoot? Like, do you think watching this for the next four weeks or whatever it's going to be, the middle game makes a comeback. People say, I understand the analytics, but you know what? If you're a good player and you can get to 12 feet and jump up and make a shot, like I understand Jordan was a freak, but I still, it blows my mind the un the, that, that people don't understand, whether it's Jordan or Oscar Robertson or you, you like DeRozan's got a nice middle game. Like get to a spot, elevate, make a damn shot, and then go back and get a stop. Coach, let me be the guy who sticks up for the analytics people on that. In what you said is accurate, and I think all the great players in the game today do have a middle game because you have to be able to uh, adjust to different defensive packages. But here's the real reason why we don't see as much of a middle game, because a lot of today's players stink at it, right? Jordan was shooting 50% on his mid-range jumpers, on those that shot package that we saw last night. Those weren't highlights. I mean, they were highlights, but... The, on average, game. He, yeah. he he shot an incredible percentage on those shots. A lot of these players, I remember Zach Levine was the topic of a discussion earlier this season. Oh, he should shoot more mid-range. He's not good at it. And then, so then you say, why isn't he good at it? And I, I, I think it was magic, but I can't remember who said it last night in the documentary. You look at Jordan, the balance, the footwork, oh, the fundamentals, magic. he's got them. That's why he's good at it. Not just because he takes it. But because he is prepared, he has worked himself into a way where he is going to be successful on these incredibly difficult field goal attempts. Whereas a lot of players today, either they moan about not taking it because they're not good, or when they take it, they're not good shots because they're off balance, because they're not skilled at it, because they don't have the fundamental base. And that goes back to what we were talking about earlier. It's not about going out there and just playing games in AAU, in high school, or in college. It's about working on parts of your game and understanding I need this in order to be a complete player on the floor. So what would you work on? It's Sam, like how much time, like back in the day, how much time did you work on that? Go ahead, Sam. I hear the analytics, but it's amazing how all the analytics go back the door when you get to the playoffs. When you're in the guts of a game and it's a tie game with a one-point game, all you're worried about is two points, a basket. Mm -hmm. Easy to me. You don't see guys coming down and transition in the playoffs uh, one on three and jack up four three. It's amazing how you how the NBA plays eighty two games during the regular season, and then those sixteen teams that make it to the playoffs. It's amazing how they change how they play. It's amazing how the commentators, who all they talk about is analytics, 
and shooting the three or the layup or getting to the free throw line. But in the guts of a game, all they care about is who gets the basket. Oh, man, it doesn't matter whether it's a three or two. We just need a basket. So it's, it's amazing. Look at Kawhi last year in the playoffs. Yes, how the game changes come playoff time. Mm-hmm. And the goes out the window, and it's all about getting a basket any kind of way you can. But, Coach, I would argue it doesn't go out the window because what you're talking about are the, the star players, and those guys do need that in-between game. Kawhi, Kyrie Irving, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, LeBron James. Like you look at all those guys' numbers, they're all hitting that shot. They're m- taking it and they're making it, and they're shooting good percentages for the most part. The people we're talking about when you say about three or layup, no offense, but I'm talking about the Trevor Reasons of the world. I'm talking about the PJ Tuckers. I don't want to see PJ Tucker doing what Michael was doing last night because, quite frankly, I don't think he's good enough to make those shots. What's up? Go ahead. Sam. That's why they don't have the ball. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Hey, Cleveland wins a championship because Kyrie gets the 15 feet, shakes a guy, spins, and makes that jump shot. Like you say, like here's my thing: is people say, "Well, you're not guys can't shoot it." Well, to me, it's real simple. I mean, we uh, when I when I coach and I look, that was eight years ago. We worked on it every stinking day. We worked on low stride, jump stop, shot fake. We worked on every single which way to get in the lane, to get ourselves on balance. Like, if people work on it, they'll get better at it. Coach. But I, I just thought it was interesting watching it because that dude could get the ball anywhere he wanted, anytime he wanted, create separation. And you know what? That was open shot. Footwork. And, uh, and yeah, the footwork was crazy. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to flip, flip gears a little bit. All right, Sam, you and I went to Italy with Eurocamp. Adidas stations. Yes. Now you went with the path. All right. I went just with my guys. But yeah, I, so you I, I, get a couple of pros in there. I, I know now, buddy. Here's the deal. So the path, in a lot of ways, as we're talking about this NBA Academy, did the path in a lot of ways begat the NBA Academy and that transition from understanding what it takes and just in general, just big picture. Do you worry a little bit? Because I worry a little bit. It sounds great. And I understand the NBA is a business. Uh, I wish the NBA and the NCAA would work together, but it sounds great. But do you think we're going to see, yeah, the Jalen Greens go, but we're going to see all a lot of other guys think they're pros, all right, and decide to take the little bit of money that maybe the Jalen Greens aren't getting, and then all of a sudden, three years later, where do they go back to? That's just you know, my, the, the, the college guy and me throwing it out. I think the difference in this is that, first of all, the personnel of the NBA who's selecting kids for this team, those kids are going to have to be selected. It's not going to be a, 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 a situation where a kid thinks he's all that in a bag of chips and he can pick up the phone and call the NBA and say, I want to be a part of that. You're going to have to be scouted and selected to be on this team. So that's the first thing. Second, I think what people are missing out on is that the NBA is guaranteed the kids that come through this program, they're guaranteeing them an opportunity to get a four-year college degree. Oh, they're not. So they're going to make sure these kids get a quality education. So and the NBA has an excellent uh, uh, opportunity that they have online classes through credit university, and the NBA will help these players uh, sign up for school, register for their class. They have a continuing education program, and they have a department that's all they do is working with players, get this college education, finish their school. And then when you look at outside of that, coach, uh, when you look at the education component, and then when you look at the pure basketball part of it, I can understand that this is program is not going to be for everyone, but for the kids that don't want to go to college, that are ready. This is going to be that type of training. They're going to be in a pro environment. They're going to go to bed at night playing basketball. They're going to wake up in the morning basketball. They're going to have some classroom stuff in the afternoon. So it's not just going to be basketball 24-7. It's going to be a lot of life skills, a lot of teaching moments. We're going to bring in people in the community to help these guys, people who have made it, successful people, to show them how to take care of their money, give them life skill lessons, so it's going to be a complete program. I think people are just getting caught up with the money and the basketball part of it, but they're not looking at the mentor part. And think about this. 
you're going to be, these kids are going to be under the umbrella of the NBA. And we all know once you're under that umbrella, things are going to be taken care of. They're going to make sure these kids are pointed in the right direction and have a chance because the thing that we don't want to happen for these kids to grow up and become great players and then we read about them years later being broke or getting in trouble or their life is in tatters outside of basketball. And so when you look at this program, it's going to be very comprehensive as far as including all things, not just basketball. Basketball being the focal point, but there's a lot of other things that are going to be going on within basketball to help these kids and grow and develop. And, and, and again, like I said, you're going to have to be selected. This is not going to be a deal where all the kids who think they can, they're good enough can just pick up the phone and call NBA people and say, I want to be a part of this. It's not going to work that way. You're going to be scouted. You're going to be selected. And uh, so it's going to be a process in order to join this, this uh, developmental league. Sam, I wanted to ask you um, along those lines. I know it's early and, and everything's kind of in the planning stage, but is there any possibility that the the athletes recruited can start getting recruited earlier? And what I mean by that is if you've got a kid uh, who's a high school sophomore who is clearly a talent and fits the description that you guys are looking for in terms of attitude and the family's kind of expectations of what this program is about, um, is there a, a possibility for some younger players to start earlier within this program and maybe spend two or three years in there as opposed to one year, which is what we expect uh, Jalen and, and Isaiah Todd uh, to, to spend? I mean, that's a great question. I haven't gotten that deep into it. Uh, I don't think so, but I don't know. But I would think it's only going to be after these kids, the ones who graduated. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. and, and instead of you know going to college or going overseas to play for that year, they would go into the program. And again, this is not an uh, this is not going to be something that the kids get to choose. Right, they're going to be scouted and selected for this opportunity. They're not going to have to. The only say so they're going to have in it is whether they agree to be a part of it or not if they're selected. But there's going to be a lot of kids that may want to be a part of this. But but there's going to be certain criteria that you have to meet. And at the end of the day, the, the personnel that are picking these kids and often giving them this great opportunity. These are going to have to be guys that NBA, NBA personnel think are going to be top picks in mm -hmm. the upcoming draft. So mm -hmm. I think it's going to be some requirement. I'm not sure that kids in the 10th grade can just say, hey, I'm going to do this. I don't think it's going to work like that. But I think it's another opportunity. But kids, look, I have a college four-year degree. I value my college four-year degree. But again, College is not for everyone. And to me, the bad thing about it is when you force kids to go to school and do something. I can't understand that. We, 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 we can volunteer to go in the army and serve our country at 18, but they're forcing these kids at 18. And, and, and God, I go back and forth with this because I do understand the value of college, but this is the real world and this is life. And to me, you cannot, at 18, you cannot force a young man to go to college and play one year, but, but then he can go into the military and serve his country and put his life on the line, but he can't go to the NBA and make money to take care of himself and his family without going to college for one year. I'll tell you one thing. There's one, there's one thing, like, one thing about college basketball, and like, what would Zion Williamson be worth if he played in the academy Versus what was he worth at the end of that year after being marketed 12 months, every night on TV, every night on SportsCenter, every night on the phenomenon? And I'm just using that as an example. I mean, so like, like, like to me, you know, there is a value of the marketing value. And I think people undervalue this. The marketing value of college basketball to a, 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 a young player is, is significant and especially like and again i'm just i'm just throwing ideas out like you coached that path team and you coach like you coached them hard i mean i, I remember you didn't put up with nothing because <laughs> uh, that's who you are uh but how about having those guys eight months and playing 12 games if things don't clear up with the pandemic let, let's face it i mean guys aren't flying all over the world to play games 
how hard, how hard is it going to be to, I don't know, keep them motivated, moving in the right direction while they're not playing games? And then, you know, let's face it, the young kids, they're still going to be watching college basketball and seeing like, like they feel like they, and I understand, and I agree with you. I don't think college is for everyone either. But I mean, just what, what's, what's your, how are you going to keep them occupied? And do you think some of those kids will lose out a little bit of the branding that college basketball gives you? That's just a question. Well, Coach, and look, this is a good, and, and, and there's no doubt there's a certain amount of hype and marketing that come with playing in college basketball and say things that are nature. But I'm going to ask you this, Coach. You know, when, 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 and I understand that, but when the NCAA, and I've been looking at all this stuff, and I'm looking at the college coaches, and I'm looking at recruiters, and I'm looking at all the things that go into it, and I'm saying to myself, as a college coach, if I'm driving down the street and it's a snowstorm, and one of my players is walking to practice in the snow, I can't stop and give him a ride. Hmm. Now, it's just rules about college that is sickening. We take kids out of improper uh, background, and we say, look, we're giving you a scholarship. But I remember when I was in college, when Michael Jordan called home and asked for his mom, wrote a letter, and asked for his mom for money, I remember my mother telling me this. Three weeks after she dropped me off at school, I called home and asked for money, and my mom said, baby, I gave you $20 three weeks ago. <laughs> I get a job. I can't get a job. The other students can get a job. So I have no way of earning extra money to take care of myself. My mom and dad can send me money. So what was I supposed to do? Because I'm making a school all this money, but I can't even go buy a burger without getting in trouble. And when I was in college, all the money we made going to the tournament, on game day, this is what we got. We got five bucks and a Wendy's coupon. (laughs) (laughs) Mercer had a small budget now. (laughs) Cost of attendance has changed. I mean, I I hear you, but cost of attendance has changed that a little bit. I mean, guys between Pell Grant and cost of attendance get some money. NCAA refuses to update their thought process. So until they start forward thinking, then the NBA and other people are going to start thinking outside the box to provide an opportunity for the kids that don't want to go to school. Yeah, let me me hit on this, Seth. I think one of the things, too, when you talked about marketability, that's a concern, right? The the ESPNs of the world really pump these guys up. The NBA, they come in as more of a finished project. But I think also when these guys go over to Australia or they're forced to go to China or wherever they may go, it, you know, now you've got scouts having to travel there. They don't control the situation. I know what 12 or 14 of them went over to Australia. The guy didn't even play. Right. So now there's a wasted trip. There's money wasted. But the number one thing that we used to teach these kids with the Adidas Nations program was teach them how to be pros. Right. Yes. And that was the whole thing. You have to be mm. a pro. That's how you train, how you're coached, how you treat teammates, how you treat the hotel people, how you treat travel, whatever your injuries. And again, if these guys are going in these other environments overseas, wherever, because they're not going to go to college now, you, you, you lose that control and you can't teach them how to be pros. So I think that's where this program can really help um, for those kids, because like you said, Seth, not everybody's going to be there. It also is going to help the college programs now. And this may be the next question we talk about. Like now they're going to know, hey, I don't have a shot at that guy. Now the transfer portal is going to become more of a, of a deal. They're not going to spend money on the one and dones. And they're going to go a different route. They're going to adjust their strategy for uh, taking on transfers or recruiting. Right, Coach? Yeah, I mean, they, they changed it. They changed the one-time transfer exception, which they're going to change. I mean, this is going to be for a while until it adjusts. It's going to be chaos because you're going to get like here's the deal. If you're Kentucky, you're holding three scholarships open. So you're going to have your team. You're holding three scholarships open because it means someone's going to emerge. They're going to get that guy, or three or four schools. I'm not just saying Kentucky. Three or four schools are going to get that guy. So, yeah, I mean, like there's going to be an adjustment. Hopefully, the NCAA created a little bit of an adjustment for NIL or something of that nature to give the kids another option. Of what you know, if what they want to do, if they do want to, if they do want to go to college, you know, they've made some adjustments with cost of attendance. But hey, hey, hey Sam, I could tell you really like that one year back in college. 
No, but guys, I just think, I just think it's a different thing. You a different. And to, to have a point, some of these kids are real. Some of these kids don't want to go to school. They want to be pros. They want that lifestyle. And that's the thing that we're going to teach them. It's, it's going to be, look, there's a lot of things to being a pro other than being able to dribble and shoot and pass. Yeah. You know, 100%. you handle the situation. How do you handle playing time? All of these kids are not going to be the number one player on that team when they get drafted day one. But some of these guys mm-hmm. are going to have to make a And being on this team, the way it's going to be constructed, they're going to have to learn all these things. Yeah, it's for their development, yeah. for their growth, but it's also going to teach them a lot of life skills and professional skills that they're going to need to navigate throughout the NBA if they want a long career. Sam, I got a question for you. You know, from what I've read, the roster isn't just going to be comprised of these types of kids. They're going to be some pros on that team as well. Uh, I'm sorry. You say absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah. Okay. So, so what kind of what what type of player are you guys going to be targeting for those kind of roster spots? What what's the profile of that player, and why would they want to play on a team that doesn't play as often, as opposed to being on a different G League team that's playing a full season? Well, think about this, guy. There's a lot of pros that that are trying to get back to the league that are 25, 26, 27 years old because of injuries and other things that have happened in their career. So we're going to try to fill out the rest of the roster with guys who know how to play, guys who can be mentors, but guys who also know how to help teach these kids how to play and how to win and how to be a pro. So so they're going to try to surround these kids with all different kind of players, the type of players they will have to play on a team with, to be honest with, because some of these guys are going to be fortunate enough to go to a team where they're going to actually be the man on the team. And some of these guys are going to have to be on a team where they have to learn how to fit in. And so they're gonna they're gonna mix these teams up with different types of players from different types of background. It's not gonna be a bunch of high school kids. There are gonna be some pros on these teams because you gotta have veteran guys around to help show these kids the way, teach them how to be a pro. And so they're gonna they're gonna be very selective in the players that they pick to play along with these kids. It's gonna be guys who who had a minute in the NBA, who understands what the NBA is all about. And try to help and, and want a chance to get back also because I say this to all veteran players. Yeah, the scouts may start off coming to see these young players, but I say this all the time. When I was in college, the college the college recruiters came to see my teammate, but they ended up signing me. Hmm. So, so all I know is if somebody's there to see Jalen Green to use him as an example, there's also an opportunity for someone to see them. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, let me ask you this. I mean, like, like in terms of, of, of evaluating and scouting and evaluating in, in, in this in this situation, um, how will guys look at? All right, they're going to play some games against some G League teams, not very many. They're going to play with these these older players, these role models, and guys that are going to basically help assist the coaches to to understand it's not as easy as it looks. I, I say that all the time. It's not easy as it looks, but like. As a scout that you're evaluating, what would you look for in these guys during the course of that year? Like, I, like, is there any risk there? Um, I mean, you know, it, it is wondering. weird because it's a limited number of times you get to see them, right? Instead of a 30 or 35 game college season or even uh, more if they're playing an overseas prospect, you're talking about 12 games. So that's not a, a whole lot of stuff to go off of. But one of the things I like, coach is i've done g league scouting before and it's tough because every player in the g league thinks the way i'm gonna get in the league is scoring 40 points in this game and so it's just a bunch of guys shooting 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 uh i told the story uh, a couple of months ago i went uh nick nurse was our g league affiliate coach back in the day in phoenix down in iowa so i went down there and practice uh coaches t- teaching the guys to help off a strong corner so I'm thinking, help off strong corner. Where do they do that at? But I don't say anything. I don't want to disrupt practice. After practice, I say, coach, what, why are you teaching them help off strong corner? And he says, I mean, it's a D league. That mother bleeper is never passing the ball to the corner. No matter <laughs> how many people. He's going head down and he's going to try to get a shot up. Mm-hmm. And so for Nick Nurse, this was a great strategy to win games, right? Because it what the guys were not playing the right way the opponents that is we're not playing the right way so he's game planning against their their tendencies 
What I like about this and that they, they're not playing in a G League full season, they can't win a G League right. championship, is the incentives for Coach Mitchell are to make these young men learn how to play the game. Not to go put up a lot of shots, not to be flashy, to get blocks, but to play the game. Be in the right place at the right time, make the right pass, make the right reads. And I think that's what's missing a lot in a, in a lot of uh, the other G League situations because it's hard to tell young professionals that, uh, hey, sacrifice is the way you're going to get noticed by the NBA. Yeah, think about this. They're going to be in a situation. The coaches are not going to be coaching for their job. All right? The, coaches, the coach is there to get these kids better. Mm-hmm. They to get better. Not just these young kids, but the guys who make up the veterans on that roster. It's for everyone to get better. And it will behoove you in the way that coaches are going to coach. It's about team basketball. Because you saw last night, if we learned anything from last night, the, the Chicago Bulls didn't become the Chicago Bulls until they became a team. They were right. Michael Jordan and Chicago Bulls the first few years. And then when they started adding talent, and they became a team, and think about what Michael said. Michael said this, and I'll never forget this. He said, no one player wins championship. He takes a team. Now, this coming from the greatest winner of all time, who's saying that? And so my thing is, is, is to stress upon these young guys. And I say this to players all the time. What do you do when you're not scoring 25? Do you not want to play? Do you want to sit on the end of the bench and soak? Are you going to develop another skill that the coach can use to help his team win when you're not scoring? And that's just when I teach young players that are decent nation, that was my biggest emphasis to them. The ball is not going to always go in the basket. Then what? If you're only going to be a one-dimensional player, you're not going to last long. you got to create value. Yeah. But here's the deal, Albert. You know, like, that's true because, let's say, look, Jalen Green has a chance to be really, really special. We understand that. But, like, there's about 10 dudes that are just different in the league. The rest of the dudes are, are 20 dudes. The rest of the dudes are role players. All right? And I hate, I hate this. I have to admit, I mean, I hate that he's a 3 and D guy. We're going to boomerang. We're going to do this. I mean, like, come on. We don't have to sing for it. Here's the deal. You got to be up to make an open shot. You got to be up to guard. All right, that's a roll. Boom. Right. Can you rebound? Can you defend ball screens if you're big? Can you switch short? I mean, like, like the how hard will it be, Sam, to communicate to these guys? Here's the deal. The NBA is a league of role players. And for you to last a long time in this league, we're going to teach you that this is your best chance by embracing this. To an 18-year-old guy, how hard is that going to be? Coach, it's going to be hard, but this is the thing. This is going to make it a little bit better for them from this standpoint. When they come directly out of college after having 20 a game, they think they're the greatest thing since sliced bread. When they're playing against grown men at 18, they're going to struggle at first because the physicality of the game, the speed of the game, the talent in which they're playing against these guys who are more talented than them. And guys, I believe this with all my heart. You don't get better being the best player everywhere you go. You get better at some point when you're not the best player. And the thing that I'm looking forward to is watching them struggle early against older, mature, stronger, more physically uh, adapt players. And they're going to struggle at first. But but then you're going to see at some point as they learn the game and their bodies and their mind get stronger, you're going to see their talent start to take a step. And the thing for me is I always like to see young guys struggle a little bit because you don't find out what, who and what they are until you watch them struggle. Mm. And you watch that. I see that every year at Summer League, right? I mean, guys come in, yeah. the hype player, hey, they've got this specific skill set. They go out there. Things aren't exactly the way they want them to be. They struggle a little bit. And then you see other players who have the the makeup of a defensive player or – uh, like last year, Brandon Clark, like guys just off the floor, right? Getting every, every second chance rebound, like boom. Okay, he's got huge value now. But you see these guys that are preparing different ways and they may not be as hyped. They see the opportunity differently, right? And that's where they take advantage of it. And and I would also throw in, just because you start out in a certain role doesn't mean you'll always be there. I think the, the idea is that if you plan on being on the court and contributing, you better have a role. 
but that's not a life sentence. And so I think of two guys, Jimmy Butler, who was the last pick of the first round in 2011, and uh, Paul Millsap, who was a second-round pick in 2006. Uh, and maybe you throw in Isaiah Thomas, another one, last pick of the second round, the last pick of the in entire draft in 2010. All three of those men got into the league, and this was their role, was to do this one thing. But that didn't mean that's the, the end of their – yeah. yeah, it doesn't mean that's the end of your development as a player. It doesn't mean you can't add new skills. That doesn't mean you, can, you can't start to explore new parts of the game. And eventually they all became all-stars. Um, and, and so at 18, I would say we can teach you some skills, like, for instance, to be a 3 and D guy or whatever. There you go. <laughs> and that'll get you on the floor right now. But don't let that mean, oh, this is what all you see me as or all I'll ever be. It's just, hey – we're trying to make you NBA ready as opposed to just some guy who's a development project for the next four or five years. Yeah. I mean, look at Jalen green. He, he, he right now, offensively, he can go get any shot, Sam. He knows that when we first saw him play, it's like, wow, this guy splits defenses mm. like and changes speeds like nobody, but he can't defend anyone. Right. Especially as a grow as an adult in uh in the NBA level. I mean, he's going to have to work on a lot of that stuff. And he will though. I remember the year we coached Jalen. Jalen was just strictly a scorer. Mm -hmm. And we we got him to where he wanted to pass the ball. And the way we did it was, when I looked at his AAU team, I said to him, you are responsible for getting these other kids scholarships. Mm. That's more important than you get 35 games. But and I also you told him, you still got to get 25. Yeah. So you got to get 25 points a game, but you got to get the 10 assists. And you got to make these other kids better and help them get noticed and get a scholarship. And that's going to be the pride. And the thing that I was most proud of Jalen at the end of coaching him that summer was not about the points that he scored, not about the fact that he solidified he's the number one player in that class. The fact that six other kids on that team did not know where they were going to be going to school. And he got six kids scholarships. Wow. He Mm -hmm. And that's the thing I want Jalen and players like him to understand. Use your talent, not just for you, but for others. And you can change people's lives. And I think Jalen, he he loves the fact that he's done something for people. It, it, it originated in basketball, but it's going to spread to other people's lives and make them give them a chance to have a more successful life. That's this is awesome. great. That's good stuff. Hey, hey, let, let's finish up with go this. I want you to kind of run by. We don't know what's going to happen, obviously, moving forward. We don't understand what the medical officials are going to tell us. We don't understand what the rules, regulations in terms of the pandemic. But we have talked, Albert, and I know you're involved with this, about the TBT. Mm -hmm. The basketball tournament, $2 million winner take all. College basketball ended, obviously, abruptly. It might be an opportunity for some of those kids that had their senior season taken away to have some type of closure. Um, there's talk, if possible, if something happens in terms of uh, the federal government, the, the medical officials, uh, thinking that it's potential, that it is safe out there. The TBT is still alive and well in terms of planning to play. Just real quickly, Albert, what's your take on that? I know you're involved with it. Uh, I think it would be incredible if it was safe. And, and and like Sam, I mean, here's another thing. Is that something that, and I mean, is that something that NBA people would look at and say, well, I'm going to get one more look at some dudes? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, let me just touch on that. I mean, obviously, all the schedules are still up in the air. Um, with regards to the NBA, all of the off-season planning, because people realize they watch the games, but as we all know, the second season is usually more is busier than the, the actual regular season. So those those dates are all up in the air. The one thing we do know is that look, TBT was going to fall after the summer league. A lot of those guys could have played in both. Well, now if there's no summer league, it still has the ability to take shape, maybe as a television only event. Right. We don't we wouldn't have the spectators, but you bring in a, a, a 16 team tournament that could play in, in the confines of a Cox Arena and we push it on uh, on ESPN and guys still have a chance. Now you're going to see some people like the, the Dayton guys. I felt terrible for them. They have this incredible run now that, you know, they have no chance to go make a splash and, and create March Madness. You know, it's not the same, but we see a lot of those teams want to participate in TBT. 
I mean, now imagine if you had high school, college, and pro under one roof, a TBT, and be still be able to compete at a high level. It's not the same, but at least in 2020, um, there's a chance that could still happen, whether it be in July or in August. Yeah, uh, I, from my perspective, I, I think about we just saw that in the XFL. Uh, a bunch of guys that, you know, had been on the radar, but for whatever reason, weren't getting opportunities and they got out there and they played and they, they made a name for themselves and they got picked up by some NFL teams. And I think of the TBT in the same way, especially now that we're at a time where we're not only as spectators, but also from a professional standpoint, from these team standpoint, starved for content. Guys mm -hmm. want to watch. And so now I'm going to watch that TBT tournament even more intensely than I probably already was. And and there are going to be guys who are getting opportunities. And I'm glad that you brought up, Albert, all the kids who were leaving college. And this was going to be the, their last hurrah in the tournament. Uh, this is their ability to play up their stock sums, to, to have those moments that they were going to have in March. Maybe they'll be able to have it uh, later on this summer in a t in for the TBT. Well, imagine this too. What if there, if July, if there's no extension or moratorium, guys are free agents July one, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. they can play as well, right? If you're talking about stock, I think I, th I think the league yeah, will probably keep pushing that one. <laughs> <laughs> they'll push, they'll push that moratorium. Hey, man, I'm excited. I, I just, we're all. Hey, the reason we're doing this, we all miss hoops, right? There's yeah. no doubt about it. One way or another, we can throw all kinds of stuff on the wall, see if it sticks, but. I can't thank you guys enough for jumping in. Coach, if Coach Greenberg, you want to want to touch on a couple of things, but yeah. I mean, the whole idea was to talk some hoops. Yeah, look, look here, here's the deal. Sam, you're the best. I love you. And I know you like those kids that play in that academy. Like, look, I got a chance to spend a bunch of time with Sam with, through the Adidas Nations and stuff. Like, they are very, very, very fortunate. Like, like literally just because the greatest thing about Sam is. He gonna coach those dudes hard. Yeah, that's what I'm like, like, like no's gonna mean no, believe me. Uh, <laughs> but so I think it's gonna be a great opportunity. But you know, look, we're really fortunate we get a chance to do what we love, and that's talk ball. And uh, you know, hopefully sometime in the near future, you know, I hear all these things, and I, I don't want to get sappy on this thing, but I hear all these things, and I'm not a political guy at all, but everyone's like, we're in this thing together. You know, it's easy to say that eventually we all need to be in this damn thing together. And, you know, I don't care, Democrat, Republican, this guy, that guy, election, I don't give a crap. But eventually we got to get everyone pulling in the same direction, on the same page, to understand we got one thing and one thing in common. We got one thing we got to do. We got to be great teammates. We got to, everyone's got to basically the best, be the best version of themselves. Everyone's got to basically play their role and then stick together like it's easy to say we're all in this together it's harder to do it <laughs> and eventually can we get everyone it's sickening to me it drives me crazy and i hate to get like this but it drives me crazy someone that's been in coaching their whole life it's like we need to have everyone not use the words it's like i always say culture is not a sign or a saying it's a feeling you can feel it when you walk in the door yes. into a gym we need to get that feeling in our country back and i'm sorry to get get to that but i mean it's, it's been way, driving man. me crazy yeah yeah hey thanks to everybody who uh online who's giving us comments apologize for for not addressing some of those we'll try to do a next show but we've already wrapped up an hour here coach has got to jump off but hey thanks again for everyone joining Please in stay safe everyone yeah, yeah stay safe and uh let's keep doing this and, and appreciate everybody uh, take care of your loved ones <laughs>